Welcome to the Ask an Expert podcast, hosted by Joshua Carlson, co-founder of the award-winning direct marketing agency, Propello Media. Ask an Expert is a show of candid conversations with proven business and thought leaders, talking about real problems, and more importantly, about real solutions you can use to benefit your own business. We hope you enjoy the honest and organic nature of each guest's conversation. So let's jump right in. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Ask an Expert. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Heather Anderson, who's the former executive editor at Credit Union Times and is now the lead principal at Oasis Marketing. Heather's going to share some interesting insights about what's happening in the credit union space and about what they can do to help rebound quickly. Let's get started. Hey, Heather, thank you very much uh, for joining us today. Oh, you bet, Joshua. It's my pleasure. Cool. So let's get started. Um, My first question here is, a lot of people have been working remotely, um, have been forced into it overnight. Um, and yet for some people like you and me, we've actually, uh, we've actually started this a long time ago, but yours comes with a twist. You have a special needs child, so it's been a little bit more challenging for you, um, but you've learned some things along the way. So I'm interested in hearing how you time block throughout the day to make yourself most efficient. Sure. Yeah, I actually, the last time I worked in an office full time was 2005. So okay. I've, I've been working remotely for a really long time, and and then about over a year ago, um, I began homeschooling my son, who you mentioned has special needs. He's severely autistic and nonverbal, and I just didn't feel like he was making good academic progress in our local school district, so I pulled him out and started doing that. So, you know, single mom... Um, disabled kid and entrepreneur, obviously I have to be very, very efficient. So you're right. I do time block. Um, and it, it, it's not, it's nothing brilliant. You know, I get up early, me time, kid time, school time, work time, more kid time, more work time. You know, it's pretty standard stuff. But the important thing I've learned is that you have to devise a plan that works not just for the school or for your employer or for your clients in my case, but it also works for you because if it doesn't work for you and your life, it's not going to happen. So my blocks include quiet reflection time, Mm -hmm. um, exercise time, um, the option to take a break. If I start, you know, getting stagnant or restless or whatever, um, I just allow myself to get up and fold some laundry or something and come back. So you have, you have to have the blocks and it has to work for you and for everyone else. And you have to be flexible. You know, some days it's just not going to happen and and you have to be willing to go, okay, well, that's not going to happen today, but I'll keep on with my plan or I'll adjust my plan as needed. And um, yeah, you just have to create kind of a new reality and and, and let go of that very regimented office task oriented way of doing things. And, and if you're an entrepreneur like me, you might have some focus issues. So there's all sorts of nifty little tools you can use. This is a little block timer that I have. Yeah. And when I'm having, technique. Yeah. So then yeah. I just, you know, give myself uh, a, a little tool like that to stay on task. 
That's perfect. I found that really helpful myself. Uh, I'd heard about that technique a long time ago, but once I started being remote, when it's just me in the office, definitely time blocking and using that tool to keep me on focus for one task at a time was a, was a huge kind of game changer when I, when I actually did go remote. So. Yeah. You know, we, we there, they, the, the pendulum is kind of swinging back away from multitasking. It used to be, yeah. you have to multitask. Now you have to focus. I think a, a blend of the two really works best for working from home and certainly being an entrepreneur. Totally agree. Okay. Um, so my next question here is the former executive editor at Credit Union Times. You have a very authoritative view over what's happening in the credit union as well as banking space. Um, what are the most immediate challenges that you're seeing facing them today? Oh my gosh. You know, credit unions and banks are getting hammered right now because their employers, right? So they have to keep their employees safe. They have to deal with absenteeism, all those things. They're retailers. So they have storefronts, branches that um, are considered essential businesses. So some of them are open, some of them aren't. They have to, you know, figure out how to deliver curbside banking, you know, that sort of thing. Um, And they are financial institutions. And so there is so much going on. They have um, regulatory pressures. I have here a a three-page document from the NCUA, the Federal Regulator for Credit Unions, which is basically the FDIC for credit unions. And there's just like a million and one questions that they're asking. And they're important questions, but, you know, what percent of staff can no longer work due to COVID? Um, what percentage of the credit unions feel the membership is comprised of members from an impacted industry? You know, I've worked for two credit unions, First Entertainment and Sky One, entertainment industry, airline industry, crushed right now. Yeah, right? without and question. So if that's, right, if that's like all of your, that's a lot of concentration risk right there. Um, cash, liquidity, loan forbearance, um, tracking programs offered to members to assist. Um, allowance for loan and lease losses. I mean, you know, with 20% unemployment we're looking at, the loan losses are going to be astronomical. And they're trying so hard to modify loans for people to get them tools and solutions and things, you know, ways that they can they can maintain their credit and not default on the loans, but still put food on the table. Right. Um, it's harder than it sounds. You know, a lot of consumers say, well, why can't they just, you know, not make me pay for six months? Well, that's an asset. <laughs> and so you have to write it down if you don't pay or you have to figure out some way to make that work and satisfy the regulators. So I honestly don't even know how the CEOs and executive teams and employees of credit unions and banks are holding it together right now because they just have so many things coming at them. So I would say right now, the big thing is just keeping their head above water. Um, what they need to do differently or or kind of think about currently for their members and their customers is to make sure that they're not fearful or ashamed or somehow um, discouraged from approaching the financial institution and asking for help. Um, I've seen a couple of articles on LinkedIn about this lately, and I think it's really intriguing. And it really hits home because as a consumer, sometimes I feel this way. You know, there's, like I said, I'm self-employed, single mom, disabled kids. Sometimes I can't make my loan payments either. And there's this this shame 
from being raised to always pay your bills. And for me, the shame of being in the industry, I should know better. You know, I I need to practice what I preach. And so, you know, imagine that all over the country, so many people with these, these ethical backgrounds of paying your bills and, and the shame of not being able to do that. So I think the messaging needs to be, you're not the only one. This wasn't your fault. You know, we're all in this together. We do have options for you. Make sure you do have options for you. Um, we saw how the the three-month forbearance with the balloon payment due at the end of the three months, how that went over like a lead balloon, right. you know? Yeah. I, that wasn't very how, helpful. No, if you have no income, where are you going to get a balloon payment? Yeah. Stuff like that, you know? And, and so we're kind of seeing a shift into the need to deliver real solutions and hopefully the regulators will allow it. I know NCUA chairman Rodney Hood said that um, he has directed the examiners to see loan modifications as a good thing. My experience covering financial um, uh, economic downfalls and stuff before for Credit Union Times, that hasn't really ever happened. So hopefully this is so severe and historical. Hopefully um, the regulators will give credit units and banks the flexibility to come up with actual solutions that help their customers. Right. Well, that's a good point because I think that this is unprecedented. It certainly is, at least in modern day history. So that flexibility and that ability to, um, the necessity really to be able to adapt, to come up with, you know, creative solutions. Um, it needs to be at the forefront because it's just one size fits all. It isn't going to, isn't going to get the, the job done today. No. And, and we've seen just amazing examples of people being creative and finding ways to stay social, you know, like the, the birthday parade celebrations, yeah. right. And the, the virtual happy hours. And, you know, so I think that businesses should take cues from our personal lives and the way that we've figure out ways around, you know, being, being social and, and getting things done from home. Right. Well, I talked to somebody yesterday and it, it kind of overlaps with what you're talking about now um, with the word fear. Um, and so she indicated that one of the, um, the most important things that they're focusing on specifically with their employees is um, mental health um, because there is a lot of fear, not just within employers, um, but within the actual just everyday people. Um, and you touched on it, you know, there's fear and there's shame. What do you think credit unions can do to help overcome or break through that fear with people um, that are facing real challenges. Um, but, but how do they actually bridge that gap to, to overcome that fear? Communication. Okay. And, you know, we're also, there's a larger shift, I think, that I really haven't seen discussed much yet. And that is, I feel like we are entering a new era of transparency and authenticity Um, and and think about what you know this this working from home has has done for us Um, if you would have told me three months ago that I was going to record a podcast video um, with with the frizz and the gray showing and 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 my calendar which is blank which I always have full of things to make me look busy and successful and important I don't care you know like we're all pretty, you know, we're ratchet. I mean, we're all just being ourselves. 
We've seen our celebrities without makeup and, you know, struggling like all of us. We know what our coworkers' homes look like. We've seen our, our business leaders and our political leaders posting videos and pictures of their home haircuts. You know, we're all, things are becoming more real. And, and we had gotten into this kind of Kardashian um, world where, you know, all of the Instagram accounts were curated with the filters and, you know, all of that stuff. Right. That's kind of fallen away. I haven't used my Instagram filters in weeks. You know? right. <laughs> I'm just putting up pictures and I'm, I'm focusing more on the content than the appearance, the, the substance. And I mean, I think appearance will still be important. I hope so. I'm a visual artist as well, you know, so that's, right. that's important to me, but we're all more real, especially on video. Sure. We're comfortable now being real on video and that's going to change so many things about the way business operates and consumer expectations. They expect transparency. Um, now that everyone has been forced to use technology, I think we have a greater understanding as consumers as to what technology can do. Right. So if you order something or if you apply for a loan, um, I think consumers are going to expect to get alerts or have a place where they can log in and check the status of that order. Yeah. Um, and, and what the back office process is. And also with authenticity, um, you have to walk your talk. You have to deliver exactly what you say you're going to deliver. You can't gloss it. You can't put lipstick on a pig. People are still going to see the pig, you know, and, and you have to have value. Um, we're seeing a lot of reevaluation of the value of things. Um, Late this week, I've been in a number of discussions about the future of um, higher education and college, right? Sure. Here in California, the California state system has announced that it's going to be doing online um, classes for fall, and that has people questioning the cost. Right. You know, <laughs> is it, do, do is I it really need value? To take, yeah. Do I really right. need a $20,000 loan to, to learn remotely when I could probably go to Khan Academy or, you know, some okay. other source that's free and you may not get the degree, but you have the information. Right. Um, so that, that has a lot of implications for every single business and not just banking and credit unions, but everybody going forward. Without question. Yeah. So I think one of the things that I've observed is that credit unions are kind of, um, and they're not alone in this by, by any stretch of the imagination, but everybody's kind of hit pause, right? Um, so it's kind of like this wait and see, but at some point that's just not yeah. Sustainable anymore, right? We have to get back into the fight. So, from a credit union perspective, what are what is that next fight? I mean, what is that next um, next area of focus that they really need to um, to either be poised to dive into or to start diving into now? I think credit unions are very well positioned okay. um, because they they tend to adapt technology faster than banks. Um, not the big banks that have billions of dollars to develop their own stuff, um, but, but they're community bank competitors. And they were already starting to really focus on ways to um, blend the fintech self-serve digital service with okay. the personalized credit union service. Yeah. And so I think that going forward, um, you know, there was already all of this, this focus and chatter on the user experience 
well, that's going to become even more important, but you still have to find a way to be, to serve, you know, the, the market of one. Um, and there's, there's some great technologies out there. Um, one of my clients is um, Pop.io Video Banking, and they're doing really well because yeah. they can provide a complete branch experience, um, everything but cash. I mean, they have like workflows, they support e-signatures, e-docs, you can, you can verify um, identity, you can sh- screen share, all these great things. It's not just Zoom. Um, and so... You know, that, that's kind of one of the, the things that credit unions need to think about. Okay, how can I replicate that branch experience where it's a true two-way collaboration? Right. Um, you know, the, the, um, the representative is able to pick up on emotional cues yep. as well as, you know, listening to the words and, um, and maybe even find a way where someone can call in using their mobile phone and, and a mobile app and get their favorite teller or their favorite representative, right? Like yeah. my dad always goes to the same branch and works Kelly. Kelly's my girl. I always go see Kelly, you know, and it's just to get his hundred dollars in cash every week, you know, to take right. home for hamburgers and stuff, but he trusts Kelly. Kelly. Right. And, and we all have our person or our, restaurant that we like that's you know owned by a family or whatever and so you have to put a face face to face personal service on technology and since credit unions have always focused on that i think that they can um they can survive and increase their relevance as we move forward well, that's good because I have been thinking a lot about how fintechs are perhaps more um, more advanced or, or positioned uh, more readily to adapt to kind of this new environment. Um, and yeah. you mentioned one, um, the company that you're working with, um, it, it's rooted in video, right? I know that telemedicine is huge right now because mm-hmm. hospitals, you know, Contrary to popular belief, hospitals are actually at like all-time lows right now because people are staying away. And so the emergence or the availability of telemedicine has actually opened the door for people to get triaged, um, to have you know communications with medical professionals to tell them, hey, it is safe to come in. You do need to come in or no, you're fine. Here's what we're going to do. Banking, you know, it, I'm, I'm glad to hear because I do feel like video is, we're all, we've all been thrust into video. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, how do we continue to use this moving forward is really the big question mark as social distancing starts to limit, but there's still going to be a fear as far as my personal safety. Do I really want to go into that establishment? Even though I I know all of these credit unions, they're stepping up to the plate and they're doing amazing things from, you know, distancing and markers and screens and, you know, disinfectants and overnight cleanings, but there's still going to be a, a big populace that's not going to want to step into a person-to-person retail environment. Um, And I do think that video is interesting, and I'm just curious to get your insights on that. Yeah, you know, we've been hearing over and over again that that video is the new thing, video is the new thing, and it just wasn't really happening. And I think one of the reasons was apprehension on the part of people to be on video. They don't feel comfortable. But now we have the authenticity, right? Right. I mean, we've we've seen everybody at, you know, their fabulous best, you know. And I mean, we're even open about 
you know, our alcoholism during this. I mean, it's, it's crazy. The authenticity is just shot through the roof. And so that really paves the way for more video usage. People are going to be comfortable with it. All generations are going to be comfortable with it. Sure. You know, that the grandparents, the only way they've seen the grandkids is on video. They've had, um, you know, they've taken iPads and Zoom into rest homes. You know, <laughs> so, so elderly people can, can visit. And Pop.io found this also. I, I've done, um, you know, some research and written some papers for them. And they assumed that the big users would be the younger generation right? Millennials and Gen Z are the ones that, that have the mobile phones and like to do their banking with mobile. But what they found is that it's really appealed to um, people who are retired and have a hard time leaving home, who've lost mobility. Okay. Um, it's been wonderful for the disabled population. Um, it's also been great for parents, people like me who have a kid at home and, and it's kind of hard to get the kid into the branch. Um, they've also seen a lot of, um, banks and credit unions using it to, um, to comply with regulations that require identifying, positively identifying the customer. Sure. Um, so that's, you know, that's another thing. Facial recognition, we have that, that's available now. Right. Um, even you were talking about medicine, um, you know, that telehealth is going to be more than just describing your symptoms to a nurse you know we're gonna have you know some i'm sure some way to read your health right right yeah biometrics and and so it's i think it's just going to explode and we will still hopefully have that personalized service it'll just be delivered electronically especially for those as you mentioned that are just not going to want to go out and and have that face-to-face service Right. So what I'm hearing is definitely a lot of challenges um, and no doubt credit unions are are experiencing those today, but um, likely with those challenges come tremendous opportunity. Right. And, you know, as a society, we've definitely pivoted the way that we communicate with one another. um, And we've gotten through this awkward phase and we've gotten through this pretentious, you know, to your point, I've got a facade and this is the special me and and we're just, we're just who we are. Um, And so I think the combination of those factors um, does lend itself well to to what you've said, which is credit unions are a little bit more progressive um, than your traditional, you know, local bank. And so hopefully, you know, they take this opportunity to be innovative um, and to put themselves in front of uh, potential members and show that uh, just because it's a new, it's a new world doesn't mean that they can't have a, a improved solution. Oh yeah. I, I think it's, it's a very exciting time for credit unions. You know, they started um, in the great depression, you know, <laughs> the only thing we have to compare to this right now yeah. is the dawn of credit unions. Right. And and they were known for giving the single mom the $500 loan to get the washer and dryer. And I think we're going to see more of that and more solutions to keep people away from payday lenders and, you know, the, the, the businesses that do help with those small dollar loans and stuff, but rip people off. Um, and just an overall more flexibility and sensitivity in the banking process, which was the value proposition for credit unions all along. So how wonderful for credit unions that society and the values of consumers are coming right back to 
the value proposition for this industry. So I, I think it's a great time to be a credit union if you can make it, if you can survive the losses and the balance sheet pressures and all of those things. Um, I think that credit unions could come out of this in a fantastic position. Well, I want to thank you. Um, this has been incredibly informative. Uh, so really appreciate you coming on. Um, you and hopefully look forward to having you again soon. Oh, I'd love to. That'd be great. Thank you. Thanks, Heather. Sure. Bye now. Hi, it's your host, Joshua Carlson. And I wanted to thank you for listening to today's show. This is the point where most shows ask you for a five-star review, but we're not doing this for the accolades. Don't get me wrong, seeing five stars feels great, but our goal here is to provide real content from real experts that can meaningfully propel you and your business forward. So if there's something we fell short on, a question we missed, or if you just have any constructive feedback, go ahead and leave a review with your thoughts. We also enjoy hearing directly from our listeners, so look for our contact info via the show notes so we can connect one-on-one. We really do love the feedback so we can continue to improve and propel the show forward for you and all of our listeners. 